Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. Today, I am bringing you the first episode in a two-part series leading up to National Art Day, which takes place on October 25th. We are going to be discussing with two incredible artists how they use their work to communicate ideas around sustainability. Today's episode, I am speaking with Abigail West, She is an artist and activist based in Athens, Georgia. Abigail uses art to inspire conversations around sustainability by implementing reuse and reclaimed materials into her artwork. Today, throughout the episode, we are going to discuss how she connects her two passions of art and the environment, the overall place that reuse plays in our society, especially as we move and progress toward a more circular economy, and how she uses art and design to communicate issues to talk about sustainability, which can be a very complex topic for a lot of people to discuss. It's a wonderful episode, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I do want to give a little disclaimer what's today and the present world without some technology difficulties. At the end, there is some background noise that was unfortunately not able to be edited out, but it doesn't take away from the amazing conversation that I have with Abigail. I really hope that what you take away from this episode is that sustainability is bigger than just the environment, that it has this social component that is involved with art and that we can use art to discuss these difficult topics. Sustainability can be a very daunting topic and can be very bleak at times. So I love how Abigail brings this optimism and hope to her work. And I think that you will really enjoy learning about all of the work that she has done over the past few years. So let's get started. All right, welcome back everyone. Today I am speaking with Abigail West. Abigail is an artist who combines her passion for art with her passion for sustainability. I first met Abigail when I was an intern at the UGA Office of Sustainability, and she was also an intern there. She actually had a really interesting internship position that we are going to get into a little later in the episode. But Abigail, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Hi, Jacob. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, So I am an artist. Um, I live in Athens, Georgia, which is where the university is. I've firmly planted my roots here and will be here for the foreseeable future. Uh, I went to school at UGA. Um, I went to art school there, majored in printmaking and book arts, but kind of took that in a lot of different directions, doing a lot of material research and exploration, which we can talk a little bit about in a little bit. Um, and I now work part-time at the Charm at the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials here in Athens, so a recycling facility, and also build furniture, and I do some printmaking and bookmaking and all kinds of different projects here in Athens. 
and I'm also a runner and try to combine my my sustainability practice into my own personal health and sustainability in my own body. Great. Well, you just gave a lot of background on you, so I'm really excited to dive into all of the different aspects of your interests and all of your different projects that you're working on. But I'm interested to find out where your passion for art came from. Is this something that you have been interested in your whole life or something that you more discovered recently? Yeah, I have been making art for about as long as I can remember in different forms. I think if you had asked little kid Abigail or teenage Abigail at different times what she wanted to be when she grew up, being an artist would probably be one of those. Um, it's something that I've, like I said, I've always had consistently, but I've also always had a myriad of interests. So it's not, you know, it's not, it's not exactly like a, you know, I may have met some artists growing up, so it's not exactly a career option that is laid out for a lot of people, but I, I wanted to try to make it work. And so fortunately, I've had a lot of really cool opportunities throughout high school and then into college and have been able to stand by art. And I think having such a great art education from an early age, like having art lessons in elementary school and some really cool summer intensives in high school and going, I went to an arts focused middle and high school. I think that that solid foundation really gave me a huge advantage and also gave me a lot of encouragement, which like is huge. It, I think for humans in all disciplines to be encouraged in the things that, that they're excited about. Um, and, and also having some natural ability helps with that too. And so I owe a lot to all those people in my life. Yeah, I feel like the arts can be abandoned and has become less of a focus in our education. So that's really amazing to hear that you really did have such a focus on art and that sort of education growing up. So one of the reasons I brought you onto the podcast today is that you combine art with sustainability. So where did your passion for sustainability come from? And when did you realize that you could connect and combine those two passions that you have? I have been a child of the outdoors my whole life. And I think that a lot of people, not, I think a lot of people who grew up that way just inherently have a certain appreciation. And, and again, grateful to my parents for taking me camping as a little kid. And I grew up in the country, so I was just played outside. My siblings are much older than I am. So I played outside by myself a lot as a little kid. <laughs> um, and then specifically in high school, I took a community college class and environmental studies class. And I can remember that, you know, you're kind of at that age where you're starting to really form your own opinions. And that just totally opened my eyes like, oh, okay, this is really cool. This fits in line with my spiritual beliefs. This fits in line with kind of everything I see in the world. And so like around then I decided to go vegetarian for environmental reasons. And that was added to my list of like potential career directions. Um, and then I, I took a gap year between high school and college and I was abroad in Germany as an exchange student and that of course you know living in a place like Germany you can see how things might be done differently not that they're done perfectly there but certainly a lot of they've got a lot of things figured out there that we are still working on in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and so then I came back started at UGA and I was looking for a group that an environmental group to join on campus um, and I happened across a group called Bag to Bag and I really loved that group because I wanted 
I wanted a group that was not just talking about environmental issues, but was actually taking action, specifically local action, um, because I'm a very hands-on person um, in kind of everything that I do. And so they were involved in like local lobbying local officials to try to get some kind of legislation on plastic bags. And it all sort of tied in for me because waste is a very tangible thing. And as someone who works with my hands, it makes sense to be interested in waste. Like it's a really great topic to get people thinking about sustainability and our relationship with the environment in general. And so that just sort of opened all those doors. And I very quickly became very involved, spending a lot of my time engaged in these issues. And that led me to the Office of Sustainability, which was cool because it's a paid internship. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like I said, I met you through our internships with the Office of Sustainability. Can you talk about what your internship position was and the work that you got to do through the office? Yeah, so my first semester, I actually was working on a sustainability grant um, for a project that had been ongoing for a number of years called Material Reuse UGA. And the person in charge of that program left to go pursue other things outside of Athens at the end of that semester. And the project had never really been designed, ironically, sustainably. It was sort of reliant (laughs) on all of his work and he was pouring in tons of hours and using his personal vehicle and and it it was awesome all the things he was able to do and the projects in the community he was able to partner with and make happen but it it couldn't continue without him and so we were thinking what you know I had just been working with him I'd learned a lot of skills we, uh, we were building structures outdoors so working with tools building large things out of scrap lumber that kind of thing and so we were thinking, like, what, how can we, like, what issues can we address? How can we keep a pro- program project, whatever you want to call it, similar to this going, um, but make, like, start small, start with me, and think about ways that it might be able to grow. And so I, let's see, was it that summer? No. So I had, a, we'd identified that there was a big issue with surplus waste at the university, and this is true of all institutions. So there's people are familiar with the concept of surplus, but they have this idea that surplus furniture, like, okay, so I have something I don't need in my office and I'm part of this big institution. Well, I'll send it to surplus um, because I can't just take it home for personal use. That's against the law because these are big state institutions. They have policies in place because they don't want people taking things home and like selling them or something like that, which makes sense. Um, And so what happens is there's not a, like a surplus ferry that takes it and gives it to somebody else who needs it, but rather it goes, ultimately a lot of that stuff gets thrown away there's a lot of it goes to be reused in some capacity but I witnessed firsthand how much of it was getting thrown away and so I started to think okay well maybe we can't like we can think about like I'm interested in the systems changes we can think about ways that we can redesign the system to make it better but also in the immediate here and now I'm a creative person I have some skills I can get more skills I can learn you know I've worked with my hands I can learn I can learn quickly. Uh, How can we make some kind of creative project out of these materials? Which is kind of how I approach a lot of my work in general. It's like, it's not necessarily that I was ever going to turn all of the furniture that University of Georgia was throwing away into cool new stuff. That's not going to happen. Even if I had a team of people, that wouldn't happen. But I can make a few cool projects and those can then tell stories 
that speak for the, the problem as a whole and can engage the folks who see them in that story and in that problem and then they might start to rethink the system and then it's it's an awareness piece if that makes sense so I was doing that and that kind of evolved over time I lasted for a couple of years it evolved into working as an me working as an apprentice in some of the shops the skilled trade shops that we had on campus uh, learning all kinds of woodworking and metalworking skills honestly like more skills than I would have learned in any one class or multiple classes. Even though I was in the art school, I never took sculpture classes, but now I'm building furniture as part of my business. So it was really, really awesome integration, like creating this apprenticeship program with the shops, um, integrating students and the staff. Wow. So can you elaborate a little bit on this furniture that you've made? I've obviously gotten the opportunity to see it firsthand and it's like nothing else that you've ever seen before and you can obviously tell how creative it is and it's such a innovative solution to dealing with this surplus waste so can you tell us a little bit more about how you took that waste and this furniture items and turned that into these art pieces and furniture items yeah it was a a slowly evolving process i would say it took me about a year of like saying that I was doing that thing until I was creating work that I was really excited about. But that's kind of how a lot of these things are. They just take a long time to develop, especially when, you know, I said I had certain skills, but I didn't feel confident in my skills for a long time. Like I said, about a year of working with some of these things until I felt like, okay, now I'm actually doing what I set out to do, Um, which is, you know, a good reminder for all of us, I think. Uh, it mm-hmm. takes time but uh, so the, the furniture that you're talking about like once I started making things I was actually excited about um, was mostly made of metal because I find it to be a lot easier to reclaim and rework pieces of metal because you can cut them weld them paint them refinish them really easily it's all there it's much more easily manipulated than wood furniture which I did kind of some of my first projects that I was doing before I moved over to metal were like refinishing projects and it takes like some nasty chemicals and a lot of time to refinish wood furniture uh and then also yes a lot of the furniture that comes through an institution is wood but it's a lot of most of that wood in air quotes is not actually wood it's particle board and so that's like Mm. (laughs) that's just a problem in general in our society is that we buy cheap poorly made furniture and then it lasts a few years and then it, they try to move it and you know they try to give it to somebody else and then it falls apart so anyway uh moved over to metal was able to start doing things like building rebuilding tables so i would what i would do is i would go to the loading dock where the surplus furniture would wait for a little while before it either got adopted by somebody or scrapped or thrown away and just harvest parts off of stuff so okay, I really like the way that those legs look on that table. And you kind of start to get a feel for what you're looking for when you've been doing it for a while or or you're inspired by something and, and then that leads to a project, right? So it's either like you have a project in mind and you pull parts for it or you see something and then that creates the idea for a project. So things like legs from tables or frames of chairs, that kind of thing, like little drawer units that don't have anything, but it's like a little drawer unit that doesn't have anything attached to it that you could then turn into a little end table or something like that Um, I did a few I've done a few pieces that I completely fabricate where I build the whole frame and everything 
Um, but there was just a wealth of materials that it didn't require as much labor. And so why make it more complicated for myself when there's so many nice metal chair frames that the seats have fallen off of that you can put new seats on. And so then, then what really like, I think made the, the ship take off, uh, and is kind of what I'm continuing to do now because I still have access to some of these materials uh, are all these street signs. So the university replaced a lot of the road signs on campus at some point over the last, I think they're still doing it, but they did a lot at some point in the last few years uh, into the, so the new signs, the new road signs are high, highly reflective, like dot, they have this dot pattern on them. You can look for it and it's extra bright at night. And so then they were, they had all the old signs and somebody who had a little sense of creativity kept them and and then they needed to get rid of them and so they because I had sort of made a name for myself um, around the shops they knew to talk to me first and so we've been able to hold on to those and I'm still drawing upon those that same stash of a few hundred road signs uh, in my work now that I'm doing in my own in my own studio and have been since I graduated. When people see the work that you've created, specifically these furniture items made out of these old street signs, do you think it starts a conversation or helps people to realize the importance of reuse or even just brings attention to all of these items that we think are getting thrown away, but there's really no away? Mm -hmm. That's certainly the goal. <laughs> and I, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I, I don't. I don't attach too much to whether or not that happens. I'm also content if someone just thinks that's a cool piece of furniture because like, that's, that's great. You know, more art in the world, more cool stuff. I think that's awesome. Um, and then with, especially with the furniture, right. It's, it can be when I, when I introduce the street signs, it becomes obvious that it's a reclaimed material. And so that's really cool because it's a functional thing that people can interact with in a space. Um, and so definitely creating those conversations is the goal and, and, it, and it does often happen. So I want to transition and kind of zoom out a little bit and just ask you about reuse and the role that it plays in our society. I recently saw one of your posts about you had an item that said it was the number five recyclable item and it said 100% recyclable. And you brought up this point that companies are misleading us or greenwashing us, we could say, to think that their materials and products are 100% recyclable and that there will be no impact from their products. So I wanted to ask you to elaborate on that issue a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really try to be optimistic, which is why I make art and like pretty things out of waste, but sometimes <laughs> something like that just really makes me angry um, especially because I work now in a facility where we do recycle hard to recycle materials and so that bag specifically was one of these wo woven poly grain bags which um, that kind of connects me to another project I've been um, an artist in residence at Creature Comforts the brewery and so I've been working with this exact material and it is possible to recycle that material okay so like it's not impossible does that mean that there's anywhere in it that will take it? Maybe somewhere in the world we'll recycle that. But as of right now, at the time of recording, we don't recycle that material in athens Clark County and probably not most other places too. Um, and I, I actually posted that and someone 
in response sent me and forwarded me an email of someone that was advertising some gloves that they said were 100% recyclable and it was like these are these are like stretch gloves and I'm like this maybe it's recyclable but it's it is greenwashing because people are going to then assume they can put it in their recycling bin and that's just going to become a problem and and as some of your listeners may know stretch plastic and styrofoam and food are some of the biggest contaminants that we see in the recycling and it's it is a problem because it can damage recycling facility equipment and just like clog up the whole system so it's not just like oh it's well they'll just pick it out right if it's not recyclable or, oh they'll pick it out and recycle it the right way well somebody has to pick that out by hand and what if they don't get to it and then it gets tangled up in some equipment or something like that so it's frustrating because there's not a system uh, that holds companies accountable and they can put really whatever they want on packaging and so okay I ha- I can like have my little rant about that and then I can say <laughs> all right well then you know there is opportunity for people to educate themselves like local recycling facilities or um, like our recycling division here in Athens or um, you know the, the various counties in the metro Atlanta area put out resources and, and they have phone numbers that you can call if the resources are confusing to find out whether something is recyclable or not. Uh, it's it, recycling is a market. I'll say that too. Things like when, when counties like this is, I know several places in Atlanta have stopped taking glass. It's because glass costs money to recycle for most places here in Athens. We still take glass, but we lose money on it. We pay people to take the glass from us. Uh, so just it's it's more complicated than a lot of people realize, and that's frustrating. But try not to get discouraged because the answers are out there, and it's confusing for me too. I mean, I like I said, work in a recycling facility, and I still we have conversations every day about what things we take and don't take. Um, I wish I had an easier answer than that, but <laughs> I wish I also wish that companies would be a little more accountable, be held a little more accountable. Well, I can see how that can be confusing because for the everyday consumer, if you see that something says 100% recyclable, a lot of people, like you said, are going to think, oh, okay, well, let me just throw it in my recycling bin and then it will get recycled. But in a lot of cases, that's not what actually happens. And it also kind of reminds me or brings up the motto that we've all heard, reduce, reuse, recycle where recycle is really supposed to be that last option. We're supposed to reduce first and then reuse. And then if that if those first two options are not acceptable, then we can recycle. So can you talk about the importance of reuse? Obviously, it plays a huge role in your work. But just in general, can you talk about the importance of reusing or even upcycling different items? Yeah, so it's certainly all three of those R's and we could, we could add in a few more R's like refuse or, you know, other things that people like to add into that uh, moniker. But um, each part is an, each piece is an important part of the whole picture of the whole circular economy that we're ideally moving towards, if you will. Uh, And so reusing, I'm an advocate for creative reuse. I think it's, I think, all of these materials present a wonderful opportunity to be creative and, and make beautiful things, whether that's because 
they're just the only thing that you have or can afford or because you you look at them and think twice about what beautiful or practical application they could have that's what i'm really drawn to is okay these materials like we haven't we've talked a lot about the furniture but i also work a lot with consumer and industrial like hard to recycle materials like plastic packaging and things like chip bags and that kind of material um those are so those those sorts of things are used quickly and disposed of and not thought much of and so i like to in my work rethink how materials can be used and and what their potential is and also like just visually how awesome they are uh, and and that's not like i'm not advocating for people to to consume more of those things so that I can have more art materials. You know, it's in this <laughs> funny situation where I've like become known or like when I was in school, my, my exit show piece at the end of my, my degree program was in, involved a lot of chip bags. And so I kind of became known to all my classmates as the girl who wanted chip bags. And I like, I, I definitely don't solicit them from people ever. Like I only use materials that I find because I don't want people to think it's like, it's like the same thing we were just talking about with that bag that said 100% recyclable. I don't want people to think, like, it's kind of this, what's the word I'm looking for? This feeling of like, oh, okay, it's okay if I buy the thing because I can recycle it. Or it's okay if I buy the thing because Abigail can use it in her art, you know? <laughs> it it's, it's makes us, it kind of makes us feel better about it in a way, which is, this is, gets to the, the heart of, like, recycling as people for a lot of people they think of recycling as like the be all end all oh I did my part for the environment because we've been partially we've been taught that but also we think oh okay well then at least it's not getting thrown away or at least it's not getting polluted you know littered polluted whatever the material whatever the thing may be well you mentioned a circular economy and for any listeners who are new to sustainability Um, I just wanted to give that quick definition. So a circular economy is an economic system aimed at eliminating waste and the continual use of resources. So do you see us moving towards a future where we have more of a circular economy? I hope so. (laughs) I'm I'm very hopeful. Uh, It's a slow process. We face a lot of roadblocks in this country in particular, but Fortunately, there's so many bright minds out there that are thinking about this. Like I, like I said, I'm just one piece of the puzzle. I don't see the answer to our problems involving waste being that I'm going to make art out of everything, but that's me doing my part. And then I, I see lots of other businesses and institutions rethinking their practices that, that can move the needle hopefully not just incrementally, hopefully also sometimes taking bigger steps. You also mentioned that you are currently serving as the artist in residence at Creature Comforts, which is a brewery located in Athens, Georgia. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing at the brewery and how they introduced this artist in residence program? Yeah, so the it's, it's a new program. They've had for a couple of years now, they have this program called Get Artistic, and they have a couple of different funding mechanisms as part of Get Artistic. They also have a beer named Get Artistic, and that's where the funding comes from. So I think 
we're sort of at the tail end now of the get artistic season. And so maybe if you're in the Athens area, you can still get your beer uh, to support the program. But anyway, um, I was actually the recipient at the end of last year and into the beginning of this year of one of their individual artist grants. And that's what enabled me to set up my studio, the metalworking studio to continue building furniture. And then the artists in residence program is something that they had had some interest in doing conceptually. And I came along and was a perfect fit because they also have goal, a lot of sustainability goals. Um, they've, they've, you can read more about it. They've got like pages on their website about it. Um, it's pretty exciting what they're doing as a company to take into account all aspects of sustainability. So waste is of course one of them. Um, fortunately, because they have mindful practices, their waste is already like really, really low. Or as we would say in the industry, their diversion rate is really high, meaning most of the waste that they produce is, most of it's getting composted because most of it's like hops and grains and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of it, you know, aluminum cans can be recycled pretty easily. Uh, but they still had a little bit of material that they, that they can't recycle that they have to throw away. So specifically hot bags, which are this kind of like mylar thick chip bag type thing. And then uh, the grain bags, which are, I was describing earlier, those woven plastic bags. You can imagine it like uh, animal feed bags, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they thought, okay, cool. In conjunction with this, these sustainability efforts, we can, we can make that more visual and also put a spotlight on our good artistic program try out this artist in residence so i i'm sort of wrapping it up although my installation will be up to the end of october um, in the brewery and you can see photos of that um, i shared a photo with you jaco of that installation also i've got some up on my instagram and on their website as well and so that's an installation outside um, it's, i've made all these flowers spent like who knows how many hours making all these flowers that are uh, <laughs> mounted up under the pavilion and so i had a little workspace inside the brewery this was planned to have gone on over earth day there were going to be a bunch of in-person events and like interaction with their customers obviously everyone's had to change everything so it's been really cool that we were still able to make something work even during the pandemic yeah i'll definitely be sure to share the images of all of the different artwork that you've created so that the listeners and followers uh, on the instagram can see the work that you have been talking about throughout the episode so as we kind of come to the end of the episode, I wanted to ask you, what role do you think that art and design play in communicating these ideas surrounding sustainability? I think I've, I've talked about it a little bit already and I'll, I'll sort of revisit that and then expand on it. I, there's a lot of reasons why I think that it's important. I think art as, and design, are really important to talking about and really important to any discussion of any difficult topic. So sustainability is like a big umbrella word and we break down all the different parts of it. It's really, really hard to talk about. It's, it's like the, even just the word sustainability is, is like sort of amorphous. And sometimes when we, we use it so much, we kind of like forget what it really means. Um, but if, if like for me specifically, focused on the waste issues, which like I said, I'm interested in waste because it's so tangible. It's kind of like a gateway point for people to think about the future of the planet uh, and our relationship to it. I think of waste, I've said this a lot of times, but I think of waste as a physical manifestation of our relationship with the environment. And that's because we produce it, it 
exists in the world, right? Every, something else I think about and say a lot is that every piece of plastic we've ever produced still exists. Yeah. And those are like big things to think about. Uh, and they're really hard to think about. And it's, it can be really overwhelming. Like I can give you a lot of facts and, and people can do a lot of research and like we're bombarded by information about the climate crisis and all these things. And it can be really easy to just be totally overwhelmed by that and either shut down or feel really negative and depressed. Like I've kind of been there a little bit myself. Uh, and that's like not, I, I don't, I'm an optimist. I don't think that that's a, a good path forward. And I, I know that your question about hopefulness is coming and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm already like those words are on the tip of my tongue because this is my way of being like manifesting my optimism into the world. So I am interested in encourage, encouraging these conversations, encouraging people to rethink consumption in a creative way and in a beautiful way. So I'm not making some like big monster out of trash, right? I'm making flowers or shimmering abstract pieces that are like hanging in a space or that are on my body that I'm wearing or furniture that's practical and bright and colorful. And, and it has this, this serious undertone, but it's, it's ultimately hopefully inspiring. Well, you led right into it. So I'll go ahead and ask you what you are hopeful about. I am hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful for people being able to pursue the things that they're passionate about. Like for me, I'm passionate about making art and the conversations that having the conversations that it sparks and that come out of it. Um, like I'm passionate about running. I mentioned that before, you know, it's, it's all related. And I have been thinking a lot lately about that. And I think that we have to, like we each, the path forward is that we each pursue the thing that makes us glow inside and gives us that light feeling and, and also gives us a sense of purpose. And hopefully that sense of purpose can be rooted somehow in the greater good. And I know that for a lot of people, they don't necessarily think in those terms. And I have to respect that. Uh, but I hope that at least they're doing good for their community, whatever, however they define that. And so it's not about people who it's not about people like agreeing or disagreeing with me I like to think that I can have some kind of conversation with everybody and that we can all connect in some way because we have to connect to that that greater consciousness or good or whatever it is that you want to call it in the world so I, I believe that that is possible and I believe that when people do that they manifest really awesome things in the world well, that's a really beautiful way to end the episode. So thank you so much for being here today, Abigail, and for sharing all about your work and all of the amazing art that you're creating out in the world for people to become more aware of sustainability and to just see the really cool pieces that you're making as well. Well, thank you, Jaco. I love the work that you're doing. I love the, the balance. There's like a tension between the idea of being conscious of the world and the climate crisis and all these things and that's the sustainability com component but also being hopeful and so that like tension between the two is it can be a difficult place to be but it's it's really important and so I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much Abigail. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.